Welcome to Beyond the Sermon, a podcast by Casting Nets. I am Pastor Dave Rudat. Welcome to the show today. And I am joined with two other pastors who preached this weekend. They were the real pastors. I was just the one that led God's people in worship, absolved their sins, spoke to them, and shared God's word with them. But uh, I was not the real pastor this week. These two guys were the real pastors. Uh, Pastor David Endorf from Brooklyn Park um, and Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Minnesota, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Hi. He's here, and Pastor Will Harley is here. I am here. Uh, many people don't don't get excited about that, though. Uh, yeah, where's your cheering? You, you should say, I am here, and then go, I Wah! am here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wrong one, right? <laughs> yeah, that was the wrong one. He's got two buttons. You only have one thing you have to do is push one of two buttons. Yeah, that is true, and I messed that up. So I have yeah. one for you. I have one for you, but and then you can push whatever button you'd like afterwards. So um, knock, knock. Who is there? Cargo. Cargo who? Cargo beep beep. <laughs> I thought we were going with Dave's dad joke. I know, but I, I don't ever do a dad joke. I don't ever do a dad joke. So when I come out with one, it's like that is a momentous occasion. Yes, we have to support that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a member tell me I was at a wedding on Friday, and he said, uh, what did one eye say to the other eye? Between you and me, something smells. <laughs> oh. Now we have two. This is going to be a good day. A two for one. Two for three. <laughs> yeah. So we'll make up for uh, – no, we won't make up for anything. That just we'll make up for enhances. Dave's – Endorf's lack of comical relief. Yeah, and dad jokes. Lack of all kinds of things. <laughs> trying to be nice. <laughs> I'll just admit it. I lack all kinds of things. Uh-huh. So today we are looking at uh, proper 24. Uh, what is it? Pentecost 20-something, 20 22, 21, depending on your lectionary that you're using. And uh, today we know that uh, Will Harley preached on the gospel, Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14. And Dave Endorf, what did you preach on? Romans 1, 16 and 17. Oh, I set it up. You could say I preached on the gospel. No, he oh, preached on Romans. <laughs> I preached on the I mean, gospel because, yeah. Well, we even if, talked about that before the show. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> That was seconds ago. (laughs) Seconds, I tell you. (laughs) So if you don't understand our joke, uh, you'll find out in a second here as we read from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed by faith. For faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Take it away, Dave. So as I was preaching on this, um, my theme was the righteous will live by faith. And I, I wanted to talk about... Um, um, 
you know, first of all, what is the gospel? And and say, uh, uh, so I picked up an example that Luther used. You know, the gospel is, you know, the message about Christ that our faith hangs its hat on. That, you know, this is the that message that I believe in that tells me that God loves me. You know, what Christ did for me, that that God loves me. And so we don't necessarily get uh, a lot into, you know, the content of what saving faith is because people are at different levels. But it, it's that simple understanding of, you know, Christ died for me. You know, God sent his son to be my savior. For God so loved the world it, you, that, you know, we have this good news. And so that gospel message is the power of God for the salvation of everybody who believes. And it changes people's hearts and it works powerfully in people. And uh, mine keeps blanking out here for just a minute. And as we look at, and as I was talking about that on Sunday, I, I talked about what that meant then for us to be righteous, that we are covered in the perfection of Christ. And so I, I used the, per, the illustration of being the bride of Christ and, and how we're going into heaven. And, and what it means to come into church and how we we don't have to be ashamed and how, you know, there's no difference because we're we're all the same. We're all sinners who are covered in the righteousness of Christ. And so you don't see a, a bride sneaking into church on her wedding day because, for one, she couldn't do it. You know, she she walks in and everybody stands up and, and, and looks at her and she she, you know, head back and and head up and or back straight and head up she she walks down the aisle to to meet her groom and and that's how we go in with the uh, the hosts of heaven rejoicing as we repent and and that's how we go into heaven too um because of what god has done for us and so when we talk about god's power you know this is the greatness of the change that he has worked in us that it takes us from being sinners who deserve hell to people who can as god's dearly loved and forgiven children walk boldly into their heavenly home and so we don't have anything to be ashamed of and so we have that heavenly life um and and that changes then also how we live our earthly life because we have something that cuts through all of the noise of of this world um you know when, when it comes to uh you know the religious noise that's out there we have something that is from is by faith from first to last. And so when we're we're swamped by all of these different religious messages out there, um, you know, do they add a, an exception to God's uh, plan of salvation? You know, it's by faith, but you still have to do this. You know, it's easy to tell them apart. It's 
not that hard to make a distinction between a false teacher and not a false teacher. You know, yes, you're saved because of Christ, but God still requires you to do this. Well, this is a problem, you know, because it's by faith from first to last. Um, you know, and then talking about how we don't have to live in fear because we know who we are. Um, and so we can forgive other people because we have that solid foundation of God's righteousness on us. And so pointing to the Middle East, um, you know, look at how different, you know, the gospel message is where you can love and forgive each other than when you have no basis for forgiveness and all you have is revenge and, and condemnation. And that's an entirely different way of living. And then, you know, and so we live differently because of what God has done for us. But most of all, we look forward to our eternal home in heaven. I like it. So you're, you didn't really talk about being what it mean to be ashamed of the gospel. Was that in your law section or? Um, well, actually, I started off that way because oh, okay. the introduction was about Pompey and about how he um, started off with because uh, you so he was sent to kill the pirates in the Mediterranean. Because what good sermon doesn't start off with killing pirates? And he was so violent that a lot of them started surrendering. And so he had all of these people to relocate, which was good because he had been so violent earlier when he was fighting Mithridates that he had other places in Asia that he'd already killed a bunch of people. So he needed people. He, he, had, a, he had empty places to relocate them. And it was because of him that Tarsus was... Um, became such a, an important place, which was Paul's home city. And so when uh, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, he takes the exact opposite stance of everything the Romans stood for, because they stood for power and, and force, like Pompey, you know, and, and what, you know, what that made Tarsus. And he stood for the forgiveness of sins and Jesus going for the cross and, and serving one another. And so, um, you know, he was not ashamed of that. He was not ashamed of, you know, weakness and, and service and humility, um, despite what everybody in Rome would have idolized. All right. I, I, I guess the, um, what I liked about last Sunday, and I like how you brought it out, is I, I think sometimes having the brass tacks conversation about about boiling down the gospel and and um and what and, and I like how you kind of approached it, even though you said you maybe didn't approach it, but that idea of saving faith. You know, boiling what is saving faith? It is who is Jesus, right? 
who is he to you? How do you approach him? I, I think that is just uh, sometimes an important conversation, especially for pastors to have, because sometimes we we have a tendency to get caught up in the in the doctrinal side of things, and we want to be thorough, and we want to we want to share everything we possibly can. And on the flip side, you know, sometimes we can be overly simplified too, right? Where we don't share enough um, because we we kind of um, figure, well, they're not ready for it anyway, so we might as well not tell them. Um, so having an opportunity with this lesson and with this text, and I think from what you've explained, you did it very, very well, um, explaining what is saving faith. It is simple. Christ for you. But yet it's not simple, right? It's 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 more than than that because one who has that is more. Uh, and I, I think that uh, one of the things I've come to understand is, you know, God meets everybody in different ways by, well, that's kind of a bad way to say it, but people have different levels of understanding. People have different gifts. And so for people who, who are, are limited, you know, saving faith may be the content of saving faith may remain very limited. Jesus loves me and that's, and died for my sins, and and that's as far as I really get, you know. Um, but for other people, you know, they get to spend their entire lives digging deeper into it and putting all of the pieces together, and and that's awesome. And, and there's a never-ending stream of, of blessings they get out of it, you know. And so, uh, you know, the the content of staving faith may be different for different people, but it's that change of heart that is is really key. And I think that's what Luther's point is, is that it's your faith has something to hang its hat on that says, this is what Jesus did for me so that I know God loves me. And, um, and that's what I wanted the people to walk away with. That's what they needed. I think you did a good job. Thanks. Sometimes the sometimes the easier the text on the surface is harder to preach than than uh, um, the texts that are inter like and and Paul he can be so deep where you're like ah you know and they end up being easier sermons to preach because we're trying to figure out the easiest way to present it. But then sometimes Paul presents things that are so easy by the Spirit, and we're like, how do you? How do you talk about this without just saying, this is, here it is. That was five minutes. <laughs> and then, you know, one of the things I wish I would have, one of the things I, I just passed over was to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, I just ignored that section entirely because you didn't want to uh, get into the conversation about Jews yeah. and Jews? I, I didn't want to go into the whole background of, you only have 20 minutes of, of what's going on in the Church of Rome. Um, and and are, are we talking about, uh, and the way I've always taken it in Romans is, you know, temporal. That here... Um, Jesus came first to the the Jews, but the message goes out to the Greeks from them. 
you know, and that's the spread of the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Um, you know, and that was carrying out God's plan in that temporal, logical way. That it, it's not necessarily that God didn't value one person over another. Um, but you only have so much time. Yep. Absolutely. So. Very good. Oh, after we've talked about the gospel, now let's talk about the gospel. Matthew chapter 22, 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to the crowd again in parables. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent out his servants to summon those who were invited to the wedding banquet, but they did not want to come. Then he sent out other servants and said, tell those who are invited, look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But those who were invited paid no attention and went off, one to his own farm, another to his business. The rest seized his, the king's servants, mistreated them and killed them. As a result, the king was very angry. He sent his army and killed those murderers and burned their own town. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. So go to the main cross worlds and invite as many as you find to the wedding banquet. Those servants went out to the roads and gathered together every one they found, both good and bad, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who had, was not wearing wedding clothes. He said to him, friend, how did you get in here without wearing wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the servants, tie him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. That's me, huh? Well, we had our... Um, after hearing our, the gospel, now well, let's after, hear the gospel. After hearing the gospel, um, yeah, we had a friendship Sunday. And <clears throat> so I was, I was trying not to scare people away with my long-windedness. And uh, had a request, you know, can I possibly try to keep the service down to, you know, 45 minutes, maybe 50 minutes, um, which which really limits you. And, and this was a, a wonderful text that I could have talked a very long time about. Um, so I I my sermon theme was very simple. Um, you're invited. That that was that was my sermon theme, and uh, right from from the text um, dealing with the invitation of the Lord, and uh, I kind of started it with um, um, just a, a general question. Remember when you were young and uh, you were getting ready for church, and your mom told you you had to dress up, right? And and you had to put on nice clothes, and you had to put on something better than what you would normally be wearing every single day or the beat around jeans with the holes in them, things of that nature. And I said, uh, uh, you know, we always hated that, right? Why do I have to dress up? God will accept me just as I am. And I said, you know, there's a hymn that, that was like that, that, you know, just as I am. And, and when I first came into church and the first time I was ever introduced to that hymn, I saw that, that, in the, in the, in the hymn boards that we were going to sing just as I am. And my first thought to my mom was, see, I didn't have to dress up. God will accept me just as I am. And come to find out that, that God, even in the hymn, as we sing the hymn, doesn't accept me just as I am. He accepts me clothed in Christ. He accepts me 
washed clean and changed by everything that he has done for me. And so um, I, I kind of came back and I, I interspersed that with God invites you. And he invited the, the first um, people to come and, and he then detailed for them what he did. He prepared everything. And, and I said, and we're going to find out later in the parable, he not only prepared all of the food, the choicest of the meats, the, the, the greatest of the meal, but he also gave them what to wear so that there was no excuse. And I said, and the only thing they can come up with is I don't want to, I, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want beef. I want chicken. I don't want the, 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 the good clothes. I want to go to work. Um, I would rather do other things. And so I said, you know, this is us sometimes. And I said, even me, there are times when I just don't want to, I, I don't want this invitation. I don't want what God has given to me. I want to live my, my life the way that I want to live it in the, in, in the ways that I want to live. And I want to do what I want to do. And I said, so I kind of painted that as my first law section, my first law section. And there was two kind of law sections in this or two, I think points of the law that I hit. And that first one was when we want to do things outside of God's purview, God invites us, God gives everything, God prepares the meal. In fact, he wants to give it to all people. And, and he does even more than that. He gives us what to wear. He, every, there's nothing that we, we should ever want. And he provides and we say, I don't want it. No, just go away. And I said, and there's consequences for that. There, there's a consequence for, for that action. And there's a loss and so then the Lord opens up the door and he says, I, I'll take anyone, <laughs> right? Just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if the world perceives you as good, if the world perceives you as bad. It doesn't matter if you've got a limp. It doesn't matter if we have to drag you in. I, I'll take anyone. I just want people here. And so the Lord does. And that's how we're here, you know? And I said, and, and you're here in the church for Friendship Sunday because someone cared enough to drag you here. And, and so you came and, and I said, and I said, and so you come to this invitation and the Lord again provides everything. And, and so my goal was in the entire service kind of backtracking, my goal was explaining why we do the service the way that we do. So I explained every part of the service. Why do we say the words that we say? Why do we have the responses that we have? Why do we have the prayers in the spots that we, we, we say them? Um, so I try to explain all of these things and then wrap it around in the sermon to say, you know, this is God preparing us. In the service, he's preparing us by bringing us back to the, the waters of baptism where he clothed us for this feast. He then brings us back um, and he, he again confirms us in the gospel that, that we see our Savior who has lived and died for us as we confess our sins and receive the forgiveness that he has, has given to us. And then we get to, to hear again of all of the blessings as he's preparing this meal and giving the choice wines and the greatest of meats and all of these things, kind of hearkening back to, to the Old Testament reading in Isaiah. Um, and, and then going from there, I, I, I kind of branched in, I said, and, and then he gives to us an uh, opportunity to, to fellowship, right? An opportunity to reach out to each other and not only in fellowship and offering, but a fellowship in the prayer of the church. And all of these are part of this God preparing us. And I said, are you standing here today though? Like the one man who wants all the blessings. He wants the meal. He wants the party. He wants the fellowship. He wants the but he doesn't like the clothes. He didn't like to dress up. Um, and I said, there's a consequence for that too. There's a consequence for, for not wanting to be clothed in the one who has clothed you 
and 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 rejecting and saying, I can stand here on my own, in my own merit and on my own thoughts. Um, and just like the the people who said, I didn't want to come at all, you're rejecting everything that the Lord has given and does. And I said, but yet the Lord continues to invite, right? He continues, friend, um, how, why, how did you get in without the clothes? And I guess I, I kind of, I, I, again, established in the gospel, I just established the gospel saving message, Christ for you, clothed you. Um, and then, and then sort of, I ended it cause I tried to keep it. I didn't, I wanted to do a 10 minute and it ended up, I had someone timed me and they said it was like 13 minutes and 20 seconds, which is in his words of the person who told me 20 minutes shorter than I normally preach. <laughs> But he said, but, but I ended it with, let's not be, let's not be, let's not be the man unclothed at the wedding. Um, but let us be dressed in Christ covered in him, his righteousness, his, his, uh, forgiveness of sins. And let us receive, um, this beautiful, beautiful wedding feast. So that's kind of how I ended it. Now there were a bunch of stuff that I, I, it hurt. I even, I even said that in the introduction, I said, I said, I am going to try my best because I was requested to preach very short. And I said, and there's so much beauty in this ver in these verses that it will hurt me to do this. And I said, I'm just letting you all know right now, this is going to hurt me to, to, to not get involved in everything that there is to get involved in. Because I mean, if you think about it, the things that I really wanted to touch on was the, the resurrection theme that was right there at the very beginning. The simple fact that this is a continuation of, of three parables, almost back to back to back to back to back. And the one that's harbored in the middle of, of Jesus talking about his authority talks about the son dying. And now in the, in the third one, the son's having a wedding feast. It's, I mean, the, the resurrection motif there that we're going to see just so beautifully played out um, at the end of the week during this Holy Week. I mean, you could talk forever about that. And I didn't. Um, and, it, and it hurt because I think that would have been a really important feature. Um, you could have talked more about um, maybe bringing it down and had more of a cultural talk um, about the very beginning. And, and, and I know in the notes uh, or in the chat, some people have maybe brought some of that up because I think it afforded a, a cultural note that if you had the time to get into, you, you could have um, that cultural idea of, you know, who are the people first called? Well, those were the Jews, right? Um, and, and so that, I, I chose not to go that route, mostly because it was Friendship Sunday, but also because you're gonna you're gonna get yourself down a really long rabbit hole, especially with going on with the Hamas and 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 Israel right now, and this conversation about is Israel really God's chosen people, and and this whole entire conversation. Which, if you want to follow along in the in the chat notes for today's show, we have some some conversation that has started on that on that route. Um, and and I guess just to pull back, my opinion of it is. Yeah, anyone found in Christ is God's people. <laughs> um, so Jews for Jesus, right on. Um, I'm going to party with you in heaven, and we are going to have a great time. Um, I am all for the uh, the Mogan David. <laughs> <laughs> Sturman sequels. No, no, no. No Mogan David. There's no Mogan David in heaven. <laughs> it's only the good stuff. Only the good only stuff. Only the good stuff. Finest <laughs> <laughs> not the cheapest. Not the cheapest. <laughs> Although, you know, Christ takes something that is, you know, not very good and makes it the finest of wine. Exactly. Through exactly. his word. So uh, wine in heaven is not bought in five gallon jugs. 
No, it's in it's in gallon like multiple gallon cisterns that were once water. <laughs> stone cisterns. Yeah, yeah stone cisterns. But but no, I so I, I mean there was that opportunity where where I could have gone down that road um and tried to touch base with some of that. But I, I didn't think it was appropriate for my atmosphere um and what I was attempting to to try to bring to the people in that that particular service. Then coming up to the, I think the second part of that, um, you know, there was the the aspect of what does it mean to be thrown into the outer darkness? What does it mean to be be among uh, or the weeping and the gnashing of teeth? Um, that this isn't a a crying thing. This isn't like oh woe is me. This is an anger thing. How dare you condemn me? Um, how dare you judge me? That type of thing. And I, and I didn't really, I didn't approach that. Um, I, I kind of kept it to the invitation and just said, what is it? What, what came with the invitation? What did that invitation bring? Because it's not our work. It's not what we do. It's not me accepting the invitation went out and it's, it's just enjoy it. And, and they didn't. Um, and it brought everything they needed. It was the complete package for them. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to focus my attention. So I know I failed all of you. <laughs> no, I, I'd give you a solid, solid. This is not an award show. Solid award. I would definitely give you an award. Kudos. Solid award. Instead of a... Not on an Top award. Top sermon show. of the week award. This is not a sermon of the week award. Show. <laughs> All right. So. Although that music is really beautiful. Is that someone practicing at, at uh, St. John and Maribel? Upstairs? Yeah. yeah. All right. But no, it's uh so it's one of those things where where I think the the gospel ended up being I think fit perfectly for our theme in our congregation for that Sunday. Um and it's amazing how the Lord does such things and provides such things for for those times. But also I think um and I guess to answer some of the chat stuff that's been going on, you know, go back to those texts, go back to to the lessons of last week, and and you can see beautifully um, a lot of the answers that um, <clears throat> the people in other denominations who are Bible believing and they are Christian, they they know their Lord and Savior, that they struggle with, um, because you you're going to see the Lord make statements even as you you go through the rest of Matthew and and just take a couple of steps further into Matthew, <clears throat> um, as he, as you get further into the Holy Week, you know He's going to make statements where where you know you see that it's the, those who believe in Him, those who who do things in His name, um, those are His people, and, and those are the ones that are called. And are there People in Israel who know their Lord and Savior Jesus, yes, there are. And and are they chosen? Yes, they are. Um, are those that aren't? Yes, there are. Um, just like there's people in the United States who are not God fearing and they're not His children. Um, and so, <clears throat> I think I think you got to be very very careful and to and move away from saying I know the dates and the times and the the thoughts of God and say I know what instead rest and say I know what God said, and this is what God says. And and stay there, and here's the gospel for you. It's your righteousness, right? So, 
Well, and, and I, I was think, just waiting for you to say that Jesus was anti-Semitic, like I said last week, and then it didn't happen. So I did not. I'm I, disappointed again. You should be disappointed. I, I, I'm trying not to. I'm I'm trying not to be argumentative here. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying. This is out of your comfort zone. It man. is. It is. I am. I, I mean, to be argumentative is well within my comfort zone. Um, <clears throat> but I'm trying not to to start a fight because I've been seeing it online all over. Um, you know, people are, you, you have a, someone sneezes in the Middle East and, and causes a, a war. And I know this is more than a sneeze. I'm not trying to downplay anything. But then you get these religious conversations where, where it's like, well, we have to preserve Israel because Christ isn't going to come back unless Israel is preserved. And the thing goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, keep the scriptures where the scriptures say. And, and the scripture says, who is Christ to you? And, and if you disavow Christ, you're not, you're not his people. Plain and plain as day, um, yeah. And that's I don't yeah. want to be argumentative. Jesus loved the Jews, most of them. <laughs> well, and, and I think this is where your 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 sermon does a great job of that because it talks about that invitation. It talks about wearing the clothes that He gives you. You know, there's nothing in that parable about the kingdom of heaven that leaves any room for us rebuilding Jerusalem. Right. You know, and the, and the whole section that talks about the end times, there's no room for a rebuilding of Jerusalem or an earthly kingdom. You know, or a reinstitution of sacrifices. We have yeah. one. It's done. Yeah. yeah. You have to go outside of scripture to get that. And and then you end up with fear or even Romans, you know, it's by faith, your, your salvation and the righteousness is from faith from first to last. You know, there's no earthly kingdom. There's no external work. You know, there's no room for that kind of a thing in scripture. Other than it makes you feel genetic better. Favoritism. Yeah. No room for genetic favoritism. Yeah. yeah. But it makes you feel better, right? It, it, it makes you feel better if you can, you can be on the right side of things. Um, and that if you can just do something, then, and that's how the, that's how the, well, works. right side of what right side of politics. I mean, cause there are certain politicians and certain parties that are pro Israel for this very reason, because their right. base is based off of this. We have to save Israel because then eventually God's going to save all of Israel a distortion of Romans eleven twenty six, right? And so, you know, it for the the Christian who is sometimes who is hearing all of the things going on in the Middle East might think, well, now this is a time for the church to really bond with with the the state because it seems like our interests are aligned, but they truly are not aligned because our interest is preaching the gospel, preaching Christ, right. not in in saving a, a a particular people in a particular area. Yeah, uh, I'm say physically saving. And and I think I think once again, like you, like uh, Pastor Endorf said, if you want to try to build a framework that says the temple needs to remain or have to be rebuilt, sacrifices have to be reinstituted, the Ark of the Covenant has to be found again, and the list can go on and on and on and on and on. You have to go outside of Scripture to make that a, a play, because the the Lord tells us that this temple will be destroyed, and what was He referring to? Is referring to His body. And then three days later, it will be it will be built again. It will be risen. Um, <clears throat> and you have you have the growth of the church, his people, um, being spread by by these Jews. Yes, 
uh, who, who knew him, believed in him and went to Gentiles and said, you are part of this too. This is, this is for you. The Lord himself who said, I have others who are not part of this pen, but, but are, are other sheep who are going to be gathered. Um, I mean, you have everywhere in scripture where the Lord says, it's not just this. And then he's not excluding this. He's not saying, okay. Um, yeah, right. So he's inclusive. But I mean, even going to the Old Testament, um, the 10 tribes that remained were, were not Israel. They were lost. I mean, they, they no longer believed. They fell away. Um, they were called. They kept having the call to go out to them. Go out, you know, come back, come back, repent. Um, come and receive the sacrament. But they never did. Um, and then even, even Judah um, fell. Why? Because they rejected. I, I didn't want sacrifice. I wanted a true and contrite heart. Um, I, I want someone who knows and believes in what I give and what I provide and what I do for you. <clears throat> so I, I think it's, you, you run a really fine line when you get into those conversations. And this text afforded it. This, the, the, the gospel text afforded an opportunity to have a conversation, which I think a lot of people in my congregation would have liked. They, they, cause I think a lot of people in my congregation, um, they're, they, they don't want to see hatred against anybody, but we are all politically minded and we want to, those are charged conversations. And so we go, yes, we're going to, you know, and I'm sure one or two will end up been offended if you take one stand over another, but if you kind of avoid the whole thing, um, because it's not about that. God invites us all. God, God gave his son to die for all. And we are all his chosen people when we're found in Christ because he has chose us to, to live in Christ. That's, that's the answer. So. Uh, the one thing I would jump in here and say is that, you know, the, the earthly kingdom and looking for that doesn't necessarily make people feel better. And, in, and you see that in the people who are arguing about it is that they're afraid and, and, and that's one of the the fruits of the spirit that Paul points to and says, you know, it's obvious when it's not a fruit of the spirit, because because this fear, this worry, you know, anger, hatred, this is not a work of God. And so when when you see that at work, you know, this is not coming from God. And, and that should be one of the warnings that people take seriously you know yeah. that when you have that that bible thumper on late night tv who's very clearly angry and afraid and that's not the guy you listen to right no i agree i i would wholeheartedly agree you know you 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 got to be very careful when you try to cross those Try to cross into into the two kingdoms that you shouldn't be in. Um, you know, when you you try to combine the work of of the the right kingdom, the kingdom of God, and and the salvation of souls, and then you try to bridge it with uh, the earthly kingdoms and and the peoples and the ethnicities. Um, and when you try to and justice, justice, yeah. and you try to bridge those together in ways that they shouldn't be together, um, and you can you can end up in in a pretty bad place. So. That's it for me. Uh, that's it for the show. Join us on Thursday. We got a nice podcast at 1030 on Thursday. Join us next week for Beyond the Sermon and with or without our own soundtrack. <laughs>